in this garden of shadows, we welcome you to Thunderdome Metal Reviews, the Church of Heavy Metal. I am the Reverend Dangerously, Ben Lindsay, and with me is my co-host, Cloaca Metal Hammer Reviews, Tracy Newport. How you doing tonight, Tracy? I'm doing all right today, Ben. How about yourself? Cannot complain too much. We are doing, if you could not tell from that intro, and you probably can't, <laughs> a the one and only full length by Garden of Shadows, Oracle Moon from 2000. This album has a runtime of 53 minutes and 30 seconds. The lineup is Sean Beasley on bass, Brett O'Connor on drums, Brian on guitars and keyboards, Mary on guitars and additional vocals, and Chad on primary vocals. So prior to us, this album getting picked for this podcast, I had never heard this album, never even heard of the band. And so this, <laughs> I knew nothing coming into this album. And so I want to know how you came across it. It is the single I'll never release. They're not real known. They're very, I guess you can go almost independent. Indie, indie label. So how did you come across this band? So like you, I had never heard this before, but it was something that I had heard of when it came out. Um, I remember there being a little bit of a buzz and like, I don't know, Metal Maniacs or Metal Hammer or whatever metal magazine I was reading at the time um, that this got a little bit of pub. And when we were just tossing stuff into our master list, I was like, huh. I, I was cross-referencing with stuff that was on Spotify, and I saw that this was on Spotify. And I don't think I even realized that this was their only album. I was just like, okay, cool. That's on there. And it was something that I had heard whispered in the misty mists of time through the metal community about this album. And so that's that's why I chose it. So 20-year-old Ben came forward and it's like, hey, motherfucker, you need to listen to this album. <laughs> mm, more like 24-year-old Ben, but yeah. I was close. I was just kind of guessing at your age. I don't want to give you extra years on there. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, so this was, I'd never even heard of this band, never thought any about it. And so this was a definitely, I didn't know what to expect coming into it at all. I expected, honestly, just looking at the album cover, a little more black metal-y or more black metal-y just to even begin with because this definitely has the look of a early 2000s black metal album cover. So that's kind of where my mindset was coming into it. Sure. And I was surprised. Plus, it's not quite the right word for it, but I was surprised what I hear because it's to me <laughs> coming across much more as a melodic death metal with some symphonic elements. Uh-huh. And so that was nice, and we all know I, a lot of death metals hit or miss with me. So, but this album overall was solidly, very well done. The probably biggest thing you could probably say a qualm I would have against it is it's the first album production values. They kind of make it stand out. Yeah, stand out in yeah. It. The uh, production values are not very good, uh, which actually made it sound more like black metal than it 
probably would have with good production values. Yeah, true. Probably the Symphonic Elements probably came a little bit more clear and better and a little more uh, complicated, I guess, because in here there are open the keyboards about it, and it's kind of just layered into there instead of being more of a focus. Yeah. So it's it's interesting, and I kind of think I may have figured out why I heard of this band because I was just clicking around looking at the members' bios. And Sean Beasley, the guy who was on bass, and Mary, one of the guitarists, were both in Biovor, um, who also, I think, only released like one album. But they actually did have, at least in the circles I ran with, people talking about them back in the early 90s. And then Sean went on to be and is still in Dying Fetus. Oh, so these guys got some cred outside the business. That's why this is kind of a... Not quite super group, but a conglomeration of other people. Well, it's it's not really a super group. I mean, Biovore, maybe. Uh, I don't think you can call it. But they had some indie cred for this indie album that they released. And then, like, one of them went on to do, um, if you call Dying Fetus a big man, which, you know, they're still out there doing it. And, you know, released an EP two years ago and an album three years ago. So they're still out there trucking and, and plugging along. Um, so I just think it's one of those things where it's like this guy cut his teeth playing for Biopore and Garden of Shadows. Yeah. Uh, saying uh, trucking and plugging along is going to aptly describe Dying Fetus. <laughs> they are definitely doing that. It's, it's yeah. a freight train there. And like even fans that are not particularly Dying Fetus know of them. Like I haven't really ever sat down and listened to them because it's hard to get into that style you you either love it or hate it i don't think there's much of a middle ground on it yeah so but this was a definitely and this is definitely a far step from that i feel like i would agree with that i i definitely would this is um this is the atmospheric part of uh, melodic death metal really really well despite the poor production values i'm actually sad that this is the only album that they released same I'll agree with you there, and I think we're probably sad that it's only on release for different reasons. Because mm. I would have liked to seen them come out like with some actual like production values behind them and see how well they embrace the symphonic elements and kind of wove that in with their melodic death metal style. Yeah. And I'm sure you probably would have wanted more of a produced melodic death metal album. Uh, well, I don't. I, I don't see that those are different things. Um, I think what you're saying is you think that they would have incorporated more proggy elements, and maybe they would have, um, and maybe that would have turned out great. But I, I would like to just have had, had clear production so that the drums and bass weren't just kind of a muddled mess. Yeah, and just now think about it. I think I have a perfect like anal uh, analogy for who they would probably sound like if they would have had a better produced album. Uh-huh. Cradle of Filth. Whew, that's um I don't know about that. Like it would have been a very I think that's the high end of what they would have sounded like. Oh well, it's similar like that would have probably been the goal, like what they're aiming for, but like style wise, if they had some actual production values behind the album that I could see them coming across somewhere in that vein. Yeah. Or they would have been obviously lumped together and considered genification. Yeah. That's fair. Um, the only, uh, the only negative 
that I will say other than the production, which isn't really their fault. It's the first album, small label. There are bands that are very well known from Norway right now whose production is not noticeably better than this, who are much more well known and move hundreds of thousands of units. Oh, you just remind, I was listening to a, a podcast with Jamie Jost and Dee Snyder on it. And apparently D was talking about his daughter as one of those that really gets into the underground of metal. And he's like, I don't get it what it is with them. They like to, she likes to listen to music that sounds like it was recorded on an answering machine. And, <laughs> and that's, just, and that's kind of what I'm like. Yep. That's a perfect app way to describe the, uh, some black metal production values there. Well, I mean, let's be completely honest, and you, you can tell me if I'm wrong, because maybe my own bias is coloring this. You've heard the stuff that me and my band did. We used that as the fucking intro to this. When granted, that one was recorded better than the the original stuff we did, but we recorded on a fucking four track machine in our living room, and I think the production value is better than it is on this album. Parts, elements of it, it is. Elements of it's not. I, th- I think his vocals are probably better tracked than yours were. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I was sending him live, and he might have been too. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I have a feeling this was at least recorded in a, a sound studio. Yeah. Like, I feel like part of it might be the uh, James and Lars effect for and Justin for I'm like, well, I played this. We're turning this all the way up. And, like, whoever did the <laughs> editing, the ones who managed to change it around and everything. Yeah. It was. This was actually recorded and mixed at different studios, as opposed so, to in their house. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not that. And in fact, and all aside, production value aside, I mean, their guitar playing still comes across very well. In fact, during Desert Shadows, around a six-minute mark, and this is one of those notes I was taking in, it, it sounds like they took, like, we're going to pull this page out of Iron Maiden, do like a galloping guitar, twin guitar solo part here. And yeah, I was like, that's that too. I'm like, that's interesting coming out of like a melodic death metal band. And hearing these guys, like I could tell there were parts that I feel like Brendan Small, keep that name in your head for a little bit. Uh, spoilers. But Brendan Small might have been influenced by these guys a bit in his play style, especially with his death clock stuff. Where's he from? Brendan Small's from America. Well, no. Well, these guys are too. That's why I asked. Oh. Oh. Let's look and see. Brendan Small. Because these guys were coming out of Maryland. Springfield, Illinois. Okay. Okay. That's where I think pretty much. Yeah, no, that's not very far from me. Um, these guys did. Um, it's weird because they released Oracle Moon, but they apparently had another band name that they went by that overlapped before they broke up Funeral Opera, which I don't guess they did anything of. This. They just sometimes played as funeral opera instead of garden of shadows i don't know anyway but yeah no, these guys are out of maryland Kittersburg. Uh, okay for some reason i was just like oh they're out of norway because that's where half the stuff comes out of anyways <laughs> <laughs> well i mean if you look at the album cover it does feel very european yeah but i mean outside of production values and everything it's well where i was going because my other knock other okay. than the production values is you kind of touched on it when you say, in this song, at the six-minute mark, they do this, that's kind of keying in on it, because these songs are so fucking long. There's only seven tracks on this, and one of those is a 25-second instrumental. And everything else of that hour runtime, or that nearly an hour runtime, is divided between the six songs. So everything 
is over eight minutes, and a couple are over nine. Yeah. I mean, these songs do get kind of long. I feel like at times they do kind of meander and just kind of run on each other. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like, okay, that's been enough. I know the first time I was doing it, I was going for a walk, and it took me more than longer to walk to get through the album. And there were times it's like, okay, this song's still going. Well, this song's still going. And so, like, it was... I feel like they could have trimmed some parts while some Alice songs did well with a longer runtime. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it, obviously. Um, yeah. Even, even though I'm there, I think there was too much of a good thing. Um, their lyrics, I like. They're very, I don't want to say complex, because I don't think they're that complex, but they're very dense and they're not your typical, even of this genre lyrics. Yeah. Because there's True. very few choruses or anything like that. It's it's basically just they wrote a um, a monologue and then recorded it as a song. I could see that. I could see that. Uh, was there anything else you didn't like about this album or anything no. you really liked about it? Uh, I will say, well, I ha- I, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, you know, we talk about the Twin Guitar Tats. Like, I noticed they would have picked it up in Desert Shadows, and then to that get about it, I'm like, there are other guitar points on point, like, more like that style. It's like they kind of just, like, they found their grooves and stayed within that lane, and they didn't really try to expand upon it. It seems like the little bit they did try, they just like, here's a little bit, and just stepped away from it and didn't really let it, didn't come back to it much in the album, or like, you know, like, the Twin Guitar Tats, why wasn't there more of that in this album? Because mm-hmm. you see it there in that song, but you don't really anywhere else. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I don't know. They did have a couple of EPs that they released before this. Um, so maybe they, they did more of that. I think it's frustrating in a sense because I do think that there's a lot of talent here. And when I was listening to it, I thought it sounded a bit dated, which it's a 20-year-old album. But we've listened to albums older than that that don't sound dated. And this only sounds dated because it is melodic death metal, but it is so basic melodic death metal that without any of the other elements, except for in like little spatches or spots in the songs, like you said, that that makes it feel, I think, older than it actually is. Yeah, I'll agree with you. That was a, that's one thing that, you know, came out, what, 2000? And this yeah, is definitely, yeah. And so th- you can definitely tell this is an early 2000s death metal album. It's definitely stuck in its time. So like, it's not one of those that you can't really genreify it because it are dated because of the way it's 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 one of those you can definitely date because of the sound. Like you can be like, oh, yep, this is 2000s death metal. Yeah. So what tracks did you like? Oh, let's see. I got a little list here pulled up. Garden of Shadows. Okay. I really like the Continuum, Citadel Dreams, and Desert Shadows. And the uh, Continuum has that nice, like... they, they should, Their guitar playing is really, I think, the strong point of this album, that I'm just saying. That, and like when they really let those guys kind of have fun in a way, I feel like they really shines and it comes through in the album. But, yeah... Uh, Citadel Dreams, Continuum, and Desert Shadows are probably the three tracks I really 
grew to like and came pulled through in his album. And girl, because Mary is the uh, the one of the guitar players. She is a female. Mm-hmm. So. Oh. Um, My bad. Well, no, I mean it's just rare, so I just wanted to point it out. Yeah. How about yourself? <laughs> I really like Into Infinity, which is the instrumental. It's only 25 seconds. I could have used a little bit more of some sort of stuff like that. But no, I mean, as, <laughs> as, as instrumentals go, that was really good, I thought. And it, it did a good job of breaking up what had already been like 17 minutes um, yeah. between Oracle Moon and Citadel of Dreams. I Because these songs are so long, none of them really stood out to me as, as being great, but none of them were bad. Yeah. Um, there were just moments of brilliance and then just and moments of okayness in each one, um, which is kind of what you were alluding to earlier. So I agree with that. I so every one of these songs had two three minutes worth of stuff that I thought was really good, but then like sometimes the other four or five minutes of the runtime, I was just like, uh, you could have trimmed this down some. Or work it into another song and split it up. Yeah, and I think part of the reason why I kept getting these so confused as a Norwegian metal band as well is they remind me a lot of the mid 2000s, early 2000s, Winter Sun and Dark Tranquility. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell, I feel like these guys were definitely influenced by those bands. Yeah, probably so. So, and they're definitely out of Norway. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, these guys. I mean, just with the guitars have loosened that fun, I think the sound probably would have done a little bit better overall, but it still does kind of feel confined that they didn't want to get too crazy with it. Well, I mean, I think that that's a little bit of us listening to it with 2020 years, too. Um, not that I think that this was earth-shattering in 2000, but recording songs at this length and being as experimental as they were within confined within the tracks, even if they didn't go all the way, you know, um, especially for a first, first album, I'll, I'll cut them some slack there. Yeah, definitely. Um, there weren't any songs that I didn't like. What about you? No, nothing really. I was like, that's a, none of that. I didn't have any of that bad song taste in my mouth i just saw they were okay like they didn't they didn't stick out like they didn't stick out as bad but they weren't nothing in those particular songs that excited me exactly um i really don't have anything much else to say you ready to grade the speech yep i'll let you go first okay for me for them that it is i don't know if i'm gonna be coming back to it very often those other songs, I'll probably pull a couple songs off. I'm going to give it a... It's a solid album. If you're a fan of all death metal, fan of symphonic metal, you like Cradle Filth's earlier stuff, I don't. I think you should check it out. But really, outside of that, I don't really know many ways you can recommend this album to somebody else. So I'm going to give it a C+. That is exactly where I am. Um, because I would be hesitant to recommend this album to somebody just because they didn't do anything else. Agreed. And like, this is the one that's like the one shot you got with them. And it's not a bad experience, but if you're not particularly a fan of melodic death metal or that's in fun metal, like it may be more of a waste of time for somebody. Like 
if we were to give the, I wouldn't give this album to Pizza. Like, be like, I think he no, would, no, yeah, that wouldn't be a recommendation for him. But you know, to your point, my buddy, my other buddy David, who was, listens to everything. Yeah, I, well, he was a big Cradle of Filth head, so I think he would like this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would, I would, I would recommend it to certain people if I knew their taste. But if somebody was like, "Hey, man, I'm looking for some atmospheric black metal or some melodic death metal," which I think this kind of straddles the line of, I probably wouldn't recommend this to them. Just because, A, I mean, it's on Spotify now, so I guess it's fairly easy, easily accessible. That's how we listen to it. But, you know, I, I still think in my head of the days when it was hard to get access to stuff. And yeah. could you even find this? Um, it's a shame because despite the fact that I, I gave it a C plus, if you listen, you have stuck with us listening to this, I think we both really kind of like this. It's just... I want to know what they would have sounded like on a second album with production value and see if they would have stayed in the same groove. Um, and it, you just would have been able to dif differentiate the musicianship better, or if they would have incorporated other stylistic elements and evolved like what Tracy thinks they would have. Yeah. And another aspect of that, is you said it kind of straddles that's fine well in both situations there are better examples to lead somebody towards like hey check this out like you have better choices to choose from for real now if you are a super fan of either one of those genres check this out because yeah, this might be something that you haven't heard that you would probably enjoy if you've dug through those plethora of discographies that are available to you through any internet source of like these are albums you want to listen to and you're getting kind of bottom of the dry that well's running dry give this one a listen to maybe scratches it for you. Maybe it won't, but I mean, it's, it's an option. Uh, without a doubt. All right, man. What are we doing next time? Next time here, <clears throat> next time on Rocky and Bullwinkle, we are doing the May Ben's pick for May and it is and oceans Kazakh world mother, which I think is something that the these guys could have evolved into. I'll second that. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, check this out. Let us know what you think. And thank you for listening to Thunderdome Metal Reviews. We'll catch you next time. Indeed. <laughs>